Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Adam Who Told You. Uh, Joshua here with my co-host Mike Baptist and my lovely Hello. wife April. Uh, been a while since we have recorded. Uh, we're going to be a little late dropping this one. We've all either been sick or had family in town and just haven't had a chance to sit down and get stuff recorded. So we're kind of excited to, to get on this one. Uh, topic today that we're going to be talking about is a Christian's response to unbiblical legislation uh, and uh, how the church should respond and what is self-governance. Um, I want to start off with uh, Romans 13. Uh, Romans 13 begins, uh, let every person be subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except from God and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resist what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. That's verses 1 through 2. These verses have been misused in many ways uh, from sermons that I've heard, saying that we are to obey all elements of the government and submit to their full authority, beliefs, culture, and not to stand up against them in areas that are tyrannical, immoral, and against God's law. We have plenty of examples of government overreach that are against God's law, as well as our own American laws. Uh, we'll bring some of these up later and discuss them, but real quick, I kind of wanted to break down that section and the next few verses, 3 through 7, which 3 through 7 reads, For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear? Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be sub in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this you also pay taxes, for the authorities are ministers of God, attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, and honor to whom honor is owed. So, that being a, a huge chunk that has been used for multiple generations of uh, governance, are the rulers of today in good conduct or tyrannical conduct? <laughs> Is that a question? Do we need a question, question mark? mark. <laughs> Do we see this today in, in, uh, in our government and, and in, in other world governments? I mean, I, I think that's pretty evident that our government is... Operating out, operating outside of God's law. What they're not, they're not paying any respect to God and His law and His, you know, His, Him being the head of them. They're not operating in such a way. The high authority. Yeah, they don't. They don't even recognize uh, in their thinking, as far as it pertains to law, um, what God would have to say on any given particular issue for the most part. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, it's like, uh, 
do we see our current leaders, American and in the world, avenging good or evil? And I would say, for the most part, we see them avenging evil instead of good. I mean, uh, one of the things I have right here on my notes, uh, the HR, HR 804, which is the Marriage Equality Act, and then uh, there's abortions at the current federal abortion acts trying to be passed at the current current federal level. Couldn't say that for some reason. And the acceptance of transgender in our society, which is all anti-God's law, but they're making legislation and rules that make it so that you, as Christians, you can't run your churches or speak about it. Um, we don't really have a lot of that yet in America. We see these bills that are trying to be passed, and they haven't made it that far. Well, we don't have anything yet, technically, as far as like law or government rule. But uh, we've seen, I don't know if you've seen, Mike, but have you seen the preview for Essential Church? I don't believe I have. So um, there's a movie coming out um, called the, I think it's called The Essential yeah. Church. And it's going to talk about, primarily in the United States, it's going to talk about Grace Church, Community Church, John MacArthur's okay. church. And um, I'm sure they'll be gracious in their interview. Uh, it's going it, to... It, it's a It's a, about, you know, when COVID happened and how these pastors wouldn't shut their doors and pastors that were arrested. And I mean, we saw that in Canada, Yeah, you know, where they weren't, weren't um, adhering to the state's, you know, guidelines and uh, they were arresting pastors. They were threatening pastors with lawsuits. I mean, there was a yeah. lot of, a lot of stuff going on during that, you know, the pre part of COVID or the beginning of COVID. So that's what the, the church is going to, um, the essential church movie is going to go, um, go over and it's, you know, really going to focus on if the church doesn't stand up to these things, yeah. then the power of the state overtakes the church. And that's never what was intended. Man. And, and I'll tell you what, it, it's a very weird thing to watch state and federal government, um, pass laws to protect sin, Right. Because that's essentially what they're doing. They're passing laws to protect certain sinful actions and behaviors. You know, and it's a very, it's weird to me because the government, um, which should all be made up of civil servants, people we vote in that are supposed to represent our beliefs and represent what we want, you know, as their constituents, um, that they're in office. About to lose my train of thought here. Is, is there something to be said about that, though, maybe? Because, you like, one of the things that you just said was that the people that are elected into these offices are supposed to be representative of the people, yeah. right? So if, if our church, our churches, our larger body of churches, our church buildings, the, the pastors, that, the leaders of these churches are not... Um, preaching God's truth, then the people who are electing these leaders are, of course, going to elect people that fall in line with their beliefs and are those yeah. beliefs within the confines of what the Bible defines or what we define as culturally they're appropriate. So, yeah, they're socio 
cultural. Um, it was really weird to me. This whole COVID thing really, really kind of peeled the mask off um, of certain government agencies. First off, the government's there to protect my rights, not my health. Yeah. So, like, that line should have never been overstepped. I'm an American. I can be as unhealthy as I choose to be. All right. You, right. you know there what I'm are saying? a lot of people unhealthy. Yeah. And so it's like to have the government step in and say that you can gather only in groups this big and this here and that there because of health reasons. That's not even their field of expertise. They're supposed to be protecting my rights as a citizen. Well, then, I mean, if, if they're going to step over the bounds in that way, then... What's going to stop? And if we allow it, they'll continue to step over bounds in different ways. Sorry, you can't buy those items because you're technically obese based off of our chart here. So your your now currency is. They're not for me, they're for my neighbor, I promise. (laughs) Well, we saw the Obama administration try and do that with uh, the the healthy food food initiative. Yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah. That we're going to tax you higher with these specific things. Sin um, taxes or, or I don't know what they call gluttony taxes or. Yeah. Well, I don't know what you would. What that's interesting. It, it I don't think yeah. it really. Oh, I don't think it really yeah. went very far because people were like, dude, if my kids want to get cheese that's, or cheese crackers uh, out of the vending machine, they can get it out of the vending yeah. machine. <laughs> yeah. Well, they were supposed to like change all the vending machines at schools and stuff. So there, there were there were only healthy options, which. I mean, I don't disagree with taking. Uh, the... I think that's a good initiative to have as an option. Well, I don't think. But well, I don't want bananas. How about out we of just take machine? out yeah. vending machines? <laughs> like, like, do I want carrot sticks or celery sticks from the vending machine today? <laughs> how long have they been sitting there? But yeah. uh, I don't. Maybe we just should not have vending machines. But I mean, I do think there should be like you know there. Your kids shouldn't be able to buy monsters and Red Bull at school. No. <laughs> There's no need. No. Like, if you're that bored. <laughs> or if you let them, listen, teachers quit complaining about their bad behavior. Right. <laughs> right. Oh. Silly. We kind of went off on a t- tangent there. But, like, but it's, it is. It's that government overstep into yeah. realms that um, our government wasn't set up for. Well, that's where I think it comes to the self-governance part. Yeah. um, And there's a sense of we have to govern ourselves through the word of God, through the lens of the Bible. And we should be governing our families that way as well. And so we don't need the government to tell us how to do that if we're doing it appropriately. Yeah, right. So, uh, our next, uh, next thing I had here related to Romans 13 is, um, is being in subjection to an evil ruler who breaks God's law intentionally based off of cultural viewpoint or wanting to disavow Christianity and Judaic viewpoints, um, subjecting yourself to that and obeying them. Is that obeying God? Um, I forgot who it was that said it, but there's, uh, the only thing that ty- tyrants have to do or only thing that evil has to do to prevail is for good men to s- sit around and do nothing. To remain silent. To remain silent. Yeah, that's how it goes. So to stay and remain silent. Um, so things that kind of go along with that and not don't take anything that I say as a legitimate, I need to go out and rebel, but these are just things that we see in our past. But like, uh, taxes owed to to a good leader would be representation of paying taxes 
get, giving tithing to God in the Old Testament, if you want to look at it in that aspect of the Israel, uh, what was laid down for Israel. And I think that tithing to the church and giving to um, charities is expected of us as Christians. And I think that at the same time, when we have a government that's running things in a, even if they're not Christians themselves, but running underneath the concepts of God's law and how to run and run our nation with the constitution and God's law, that paying our taxes is, is good because it's going towards righteous things, protection, fire department, medical, police, uh, the, the military to protect us from foreign nations that want to attack us. But when we start paying into, when our taxes are going to support mostly abortion clinics and, and, uh, trans, you know, forcing states to fundamentally disagree with things that we fundamentally disagree with in general and the education department paying taxes to the to our schools. And they're teaching our kids that you don't need to be married to have sex and a baby and moving together. The complete, uh, just changing the aspect of everything that our country has was founded on and that Christians believe in. And now we're seeing a move of Christians saying that these things are not a big deal anymore. Like even divorce isn't a big deal anymore. These things that were are fun, fundamental to the family aspect are being destroyed because it's going against God's word. So at what point, how do we, how do we, how do we confront that and still follow the guidelines of being a Christian without, you know, yeah, that's, being violent. And that's a good question. Um, we were talking earlier and there's, there's two, at two points, do you disobey your government? One, when the government tells you to do something that you know that the word of God has forbidden you to do. And two, when the government tries to stop you from doing something that you know that the word of God exhorts you to do. Um, at those two points, you you follow the word of God, you follow God, and you, you commit the consequences into God's hand, you know? Um, but it's like, yeah, you, you hit on a good topic. They're trying to undercut, as a Christian, as a Christian parent with kids in public school, the public school works very hard to undercut the values and the morals and the truths that I'm trying to instill into my children. And it's like, as educators, you should be teaching my kids how to find information, not what information is important. You should, you should teach them how to read, but not what things they're supposed to read. You should teach them how to think, but not what thoughts they're supposed to be thinking. You, do you know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's an overstep, a, a grand overstep. And the way that, w- that I deal with it, um, there was an inappropriate situation that happened at my daughter's school where one of the teachers um, essentially um, made some comments that talked about her sexual preferences in front of a group of 13-year-old girls. Well, I emailed the principal and said, hey, I think it's thoroughly inappropriate that you have a person who's in a position of authority over children, specifically my child, talking about her sexual preferences. There's no in no context could that be right. And I'm going to assume that you didn't know that was happening, but I'm equally going to assume that you're going to move on this and stop it from happening again. And got an email back saying, yeah, we're, we're definitely going to look into this. But the problem is that should never happen. Right. Teachers shouldn't feel comfortable to be able to speak about their sexual preference to teenage girls. Right. 
So uh, I had noted in this article that I read um, on the Ligonier's website. It was written by uh, R.C. Sproul, Jan- January 16, 2017. It's the origin and function of the government under God. And it goes over Romans 13. So if anybody wants to, you know, get a, um, a really good article to read um, that kind of breaks this out. Um, and he and he goes in, I was kind of trying to skim through it while I was listening to you guys talk. But what he talks about in this is, is Paul is setting the stage for explaining why a Christian is supposed to be um, particularly scrupulous and sensitive to civil disobedience. But he's he's trying to outline, yes, we're supposed to be obedient in, in, in such ways and be prepared to be disobedient when it calls, but also be prepared to essentially die at the hands of our government in that disobedience, which yeah. is obedience to God. Right. So um, it's, it's a very, you know, different way of looking at Romans 13 than what's typically oh, yeah. preached. A lot of the times when you hear it preached, it's, it's a be obedient, sit on your hands, be quiet. And that's not that's what, not what's being taught what's here. being taught here. When Paul wrote this saying, you know, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. He was subject to the specific authorities in Rome to the point of death. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yep. And that's, and that's, you know, that's kind of what he's saying is that you have to be obedient to an extent, but be ready, yep. you know, to, yep. to die for essentially you're dying for God because this yep. is what God has told you to do. So just like you were saying, like we have, we have, right here are given the law and the understanding of what we should do in the eyes of God. And that's who we answer to. Ultimately, we don't answer to man. So, um, this, the article is really good. So if you want to, um, read something that really helps to shed some light and a, a lot of it, he talks about, he's, you know, we're, it's set on our conscience, Right. We, we read all throughout the Bible that every person knows of their creator. It is set on our conscience. So I believe also in the sense that uh, we all serve a purpose for God and though that purpose will be set on our conscience as well. So while it may not be, you know, everybody's. Uh, job to stand up for abortion or everybody's job to stand up against, you know, these same sex marriages or everybody's job to like stand on all these different uh, kind of social things that happen like the, the um, critical race theory. It may yeah. not be everybody's job to do that, but you may be called your conscience may be bent towards one yeah. particular um, thing and you should be obedient in in dealing with that. And Absolutely. And there's nonviolent ways um, to go about some of these things. We all have the ability to email 
our representatives. Right. And I would say avail yourself to that, um, to that availability. You know what I'm saying? Email your representative, especially, and, and it's particularly bothersome for me, is that as these people are campaigning uh, to get voted into office or to remain in office, they campaign on a Christian platform. Yes. Quote, unquote, Christian platform. Yeah. They campaign as pro-life, right? As if they're the, the most conservative, Bible-believing people there is. And then when it comes time to actually say yay or nay on a law where you, you could uphold Christian morals or shoot them down, we find typically that they shoot them down. Yeah, and the, the other part of that is, um, you know, holding them accountable for what they stand on. You know, like, so if I go through, you know, my voting ballot and I'm going, okay, where does this person stand on these issues? And I vote for that person based off of those things. And then they're faced with the hard reality of actually voting for what they said that they stand for and they don't. I need to be loud enough to them and go, hey, yeah. you, I voted for you because you said you would you would defend this, that you that you held this valuable, that you, you know, you would stand on the same side that that I stand on. And now you're not. So yeah. we at some point as Christians should be holding them accountable. And it's just like, um, you know, you hear you hear our dog barking. Even he's upset about it. <laughs> But, um, you know, if you watch, um, you watch, uh, Apology Radio, very, um, very, they stand hard on yeah. a lot on, on some of these, um, more socially acceptable things, um, abortion being one of them. Yeah. And you, and they'll post up a lot of their videos of when they're going in front of these, these councilmen and these, these, yeah places and they're they're calling them to repent so it's almost like you know here's if we look at like john the baptist he was he was that forerunner right he was telling everybody to repent to repent and for the kingdom of god is at hand and that's essentially what we're called to do as christians as well is that we should be calling them to repentance we can't change their mind only god can do that yeah but we should feel obligated to the generation that God has put us in. Yeah, and in some sort of empowerment because our we have the power of Christ behind us. So it, it, if I die trying, I die, yeah. I die with, for the glory of God. And ultimately, God is sovereign and, and God's will will be done. Um, but we will also stand before Christ and answer for what we did. In the generation we were in, he's given us a voice. What do we do with it? You know, legislators legislators will answer uh, for the bills they pass or the bills that they tried to block. Um, everybody's accountable unto God, and I think that they forget about that. Right. It's funny you said that because the end of this article that I just mentioned um, from R.C. Sproul, I'm just going to read this. It says, if you don't like the president of the United States... Remember that the one who cast the deciding ballot in this election was Almighty God. Of course, God doesn't sanction or endorse everything that the president does. 
Neither is it the case that God turns the authority over to the president and says, go ahead and rule these people however you want. Every king is subject to the laws of God and will be judged accordingly. It may be that the president is completely ungodly, but for reasons known to God alone, God has placed him in that seat of authority. Well, if you go historically into, um, oh gosh, I'd have to, I can't pick anything specific, but uh, the judges, I think, would be a good example. And then other books of the prophets, how many times did Israel start to slide and God sent, gave them evil rulers, so their kings or whoever was over them was evil, and he sent oh, the yeah. prophets and people to speak up and say, look, this is what's happening because of your silence, your ignorance, your right. your sin. You need to change your ways. Eventually, they get outcast of Israel, outcasted out of Israel and taken into captivity to Babylon and other areas and then, and then brought back and whatnot. But, I mean, you kind of look at the way things are going, Christians... In general, not everybody were, are, are silent about so many things. Um, and so maybe like this is God's way of saying, hey, America, hey, Canada, hey, other parts of the, the world. I, I mean, it's, world, up, it's, you know? worldwide. it's worldwide. It really is worldwide. You see, you see other nations besides us seeing the same type of stuff that, um, I mean, Italy is Catholic, but they're, they've gotten worse and worse in certain areas with with their morality and that's where the Vatican is, you know? So the people are getting. Yeah. Superpower of Christianity. Right. right? I mean, we won't, we won't talk about that yet. That'll be a whole nother podcast, (laughs) but, but, but yeah, I mean, you have this superpower um, Mm -hmm. really. And, you know, and they're aligning with the, what we see with our eyes as evil, you know? And so they, yep. they align with these evil things and these things that are blatantly against what we understand um, from the word of God as, yeah. as sinful yep. and they're embracing it and they're, they're applauding it and they're, you know, they're, you know, t- putting their white gloves on and, you know, <laughs> well, we see that in SBC lately too. A lot of it. I mean, you think of, I don't in my opinion, anyways, the the Roman Catholic Vatican and the Southern Baptist Convention are two of the most powerful entities as far as a religious aspect. Christian Christian established governments. I mean, you know, you take other world religions out of it and they're silent about so many of these things. Like we were talking earlier, April, that uh, all these, these people that are, that are not standing up, well, it should be if the Vatican, if the Catholics and the Southern Baptist Convention would not be silent and stand up and say no and be loud and told their told their congregations things along. OK, you don't want to be arrested for tax evasion. So instead, what we're going to do is have our accountants sit down with you and make sure your money goes places so that the federal government doesn't get it. and You get a good write off. Well, <laughs> <you but know? laughs> I, and I think my the point that I was making was that if those two establishments stood hard on some of these issues, like change the, would have come, right? Would come, right? Because it would it. It's a large body of people, right? And that's what hi- that highlights the problem in general is that um, the average Christian hears about end abortion now, might even send them some money or Arkansas Equal Protection Coalition, 
and they think in their mind, they're like, well, these people are doing that. So I can take a back seat to this. And I don't have to use my voice. I don't have to stand up. I don't have to participate in these things. I'll send a couple of bucks their way. And it's like, no, you individually as a Christian, you need to stand up and make your voice heard too on these issues. Yeah. You know, you can't think that these other organizations are going to do the heavy lifting. And you see that prominent in every church. You'll find that 10% of the church does 99% or 90% of the ministry work. And that's, that's almost every church that you go to. There are, there are some exceptions. They're great exceptions where, where they have, everybody seems active. And I know it seems not when you talk about being active in your Christianity, um, I'm not talking about door greeting. I'm not, I'm not talking about handing out towels at baptism. You know, when people get baptized, what I'm talking about is following Christ and legitimately living by um, a Christian worldview, right? View, viewing the world around you through the lens that the Bible gives you, right? Trying to conduct yourself in that way and trying to engage society in that manner. Yeah. Yeah, it's and it's hard to be a small majority, you know, to yeah. trying to do that for, you know, the larger majority. And it's it's heartbreaking because there a lot of people are hiding under this umbrella of it's not loving. And in actuality what by being silent on these things, you're not being loving. And that's that's where it gets really murky is I'm not. And when you look, when people look at me, they would say that I'm not being loving because of my stance on abortion. When in fact, it is very loving to tell you that that is not right in the eyes of God. Yeah, you know, and and I'm I'm going to answer for myself, and if I'm wrong, then I'm wrong, you know. But but I would rather not see people be wrong because on the opposite <laughs> side of this, you have, um, you have the state and people have that have the you know the counter worldview of Christians, non Christians. They're very vocal about their worldview. That mm-hmm. they, they are quick to put it in your face. You know, and to shout you down if you have if you have a a view that disagrees with there, it's it, theirs. It's no longer this is who we are. This is what we're about. Leave us alone. It's this is who we are. And if you don't embrace it, you're a bigot. You're filled with hate. You know what I'm saying? And it's like it becomes a battle of truth, and they don't and they they don't they don't believe that that as a Christian follower that you have truth because they don't believe in the word of God as being a source of truth. They don't believe in object truth. Um, right. On any level, generally, they, uh, I mean, this, this generation has adopted a very postmodern mindset yeah. where everything is relativistic or subjective. And that, and s- some of the scary things is, is that they, that they've been convinced to de- even deny science. So when, you know, when science was in line with, I believe science comes from God as well. <laughs> you know, he, he it's created just an exploration he, into a, the, the complexities of God's of creation. creation. Yeah, right. And uh, 
they're blatantly wanting to deny these scientific things that we've known for for so long. It's like all we have all this new technology. We have this all this advanced technology, yet we're stupid when it comes to like the the actual science. So something we knew thousands of years ago, we no longer believe is true, yet we have more technology to prove. Like, uh, like for instance, they a lot of times with abortion, they say it's a clump of cells, right? Well, my son and daughter-in-law are having a baby and... Shout out to little Louie. They have... They're getting these ultrasounds that when I was, you know, having children... They couldn't see the detail yeah, look, in the child that they can see and now. Yeah, yeah. And now you want to deny the fact that... This that is... clump of cells actually looks like your son. Right? <laughs> I mean, it's it, it's amazing, those 3D ultrasounds. Yeah. It's but, creepy. But they want to... They it, it's kind of creepy, isn't it? <laughs> but they want to they deny, like, even the technology that we have that proves these things. And we, yeah. they've said forever that, uh, I, I mean, scientifically... Life begins at conception. Yeah. Yeah. You know? They're just, they change things up. When it's not convenient to their worldview, they ignore it or blatantly just um, speak falsehood. So I guess, you know, as with certain things like this, and obviously you guys know that we're very passionate about this particular topic, and, and there's other topics that we, ha- we don't maybe focus on as much, but... Um, what is civil disobedience for Christians? Like, how can we define that for somebody? Because I know what <sighs> I know. Schaefer he put it um, in one of his books, "Proudly Christian Manifesto" or uh, "How Then Shall We Live." He he said, "Man, there's steps to it, and and violence is not that is not the first option. You 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 know you start by addressing." What you can address, right? Your local leg- legislators, um, you make your voice heard. You, you protest, right? And you do it peacefully. You do it right. If at all possible, you leave. If you're in, a, in, a, in an ungodly country, you leave. Now we're at a time where it's like, what country do you go to? You know what I'm saying? What, what country do you go to then that has more godlier, that has godlier laws? Um, and then when you can't, you stand and fight, and, and and what you do. And when I say fight, I'm not talking you violently storm the Capitol or whatever. What you do is you make a stance for what you know. Because if you're a Christian, you're sealed with the Holy Spirit. You're not morally confused. You make a stance for what you know is right biblically, and you commit the consequences to God, whether that be jail time, whether that be whatever the consequences may be. You know, you make a stance for what you know to be right biblically because you know in the eyes of God it's correct. It's like that woman, uh, where is she at in England? She's going to be arrested, I think, for the third or fourth time. I don't remember now. Silently praying in front of abortion clinics. Yeah. She's not talking to anybody. Across the street, just standing silently praying. And they come and they ask her what she's doing. And she said, I'm praying. Yeah. And they're like, well, you can't do that. Yeah. Well, other examples that we saw over the last few years, um, John, you know, uh, Grace, uh, John MacArthur's Grace refused to close during COVID and they wanted to arrest him. So they got lawyers and did the legal route on 
this is why you can't do this by our basic rights of the Constitution and being Christians. This is our, you know, this is, you want to say separation of church and state, but you can't come in and tell us what to do. That's, there's, there's two sides to that of, to anybody who is not a Christian and anybody who doesn't understand what that statement meant anyways, because the statement of separation of church and state was, we will not have an established church as far as Lutheran, Catholic, like the Protestant, Church of England. Church of England. Like if it, you live in Missouri, you have to go to a Lutheran church. Right. Yeah. Do you know right. Yeah, saying? we right. cannot. We, they if you could, live in Utah, you a, have to be a Mormon. Right. Yeah. You cannot <laughs> do that. That was church. because you look at, and, and if anybody out there who's atheist or doesn't have any idea of what, of religion, um, monks, uh, uh, Buddhists don't go to church. Uh, Islam, uh, M- Muslims don't go to church. Christians are the church, and that is where that word is formed. We are the church, we're the body. They'll, so don't, you can't say that, oh, that means separation of religion and state. That's not what that says. This is, this so, is the part where we're missing, um, our, our harsh because he would yeah, have brought yeah, in, he would have brought, he would have brought in some like real good, but uh, it's, but it's, um, I was reading, uh, I just finished, oh, Bonson, um, Greg Bonson. Uh, by this standard. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, I should have, if I were thinking about it, I probably should have been taking notes when I was reading that. I under, A lot of it's still up in my head, but specific pages and stuff. But he talks about that in a section that the separation of church and state was established by Christians. Yes. So that the a specific doctrine would not take over. And so that the church didn't, or, or I'm sorry, so that the state did not have authority over the church. But at the same time, there was a recognition that the church had authority over the state in the aspect that God is in full authority. So it was up to the church to keep the state members in line. So when they would start breaking rules and regulations, the church, the the, the leaders, the pastors and priests and, and everybody else would stand up and say, no. That is unorthodox. That is not biblical. We're not doing that. Nowadays, it's like they stand up and they're told to sit down and shut up. Well, we've come so and they far. Need to stop sitting down and shutting up. They need to stand up and yeah. be louder. Well, we've come so far out of um, the establishment of this country. We've come so far out of the establishment of you know certain entities that we forget that the Reformation it was what brought people away from. Europe, the European regions, to Mm -hmm. the United States. And while not everybody who signed the Constitution or wrote the Constitution was a proclaimed Christian, they all recognized that the law of God and that God being the, the ultimate authority was in agreement that... Well, I mean, what's the guy from Daily Wire that he is... Jordan Peterson. Jordan Peterson. He even recognizes... The standard, yeah. The standard, mm-hmm. that the, that it is a good standard and that, you know, and and you brought up atheists and, and their right to be an atheist is because we have an established, the state can't tell us how to worship. Right, yeah. And it's our job in the church to bring the atheists to God, you know, to at least profess the gospel to them, um, but not I had, force them to be Christian. Well, it's not it's not in our power anyway. Yes. Forced path, yeah. <laughs> but Get I, under their drum. <laughs> I um I had written down here Galatians two eleven. 
um, calling out hypocrisy. We we need to speak up and bring biblical um, truth. So I don't. Okay, so in Galatians two eleven, but when Caphius came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when he came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing this um, circumcision party. So um, I wrote this down because it's he called out Paul called out hypocrisy. So we need to speak up and bring biblical truth. So maybe, you know, like in this sense, he was there to speak truth and to bring the gospel to them. So that's that's where I I think that's part of what civil disobedience yeah, looks right. like is that we have to call out hypocrisy. And, we uh, have to speak what up. What was it the Founders Ministry back in beginning end of January, I think, middle of January, uh 3-day conference in Florida and that was the entire conference uh was by what standard and it yeah. had um uh that, that's what half of them talked about was the hypocrisy in in so many of these churches, the hypocrisy in our government, the hypocrisy in our people in general. I mean, every day you everybody's a hypocrite in one way or another. But man, the hypocrisy that we see now, like you you get to choose whether you're a boy or a girl and what your gender is, dude. That's completely hip. hip it, I, <laughs> I, I'm gonna tell you, you hit on something. Um, it needs to, because uh, especially in Galatians, uh, Peter and Paul were Christians. So this was calling out hypocrisy within the church. And uh, at, as an average churchgoer, you have the right to approach your deacons, your elders, your pastors and saying, what are we doing? What are you doing? You know, in regards to these social things that are going on that in this state that we live in, in this country that we live in, that we know are anti-biblical. What are we doing as a church body to to address these things? Are we doing anything? Right. Well, well, if we look back um, in history, and you know the reformers and the covenant the covenanters, they they died for their for standing for their faith. They died because they said these things are wrong. They should not be happening. You know, um, was it is it Bunyan who wrote Pilgrims? progress from a cell yeah from a cell and it was like these these men who stood up for the gospel that was that's civil disobedience that's what it looks like i found this quote from augustine it's righteous anger rightly used should not be stifled hope has two beautiful daughters their names are anger and courage Anger at the way things are, encouraged to see that they do not remain the way they are. So, I, I, when I wrote this down, I was, I also noted that if we look at Jesus for a model of of righteous anger, we can we can read the 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 story where he went in and he turned over tables, but. When you read that whole story, everybody just talks about Jesus going into the temple and turning over the tables. But what's more beautiful about that story is that he fashioned a whip before he turned over the tables in the temple. He, so he made a whip by hand. So he 
channeled that anger that he had to get a whip ready before he walked into the to the temple and it it wasn't are they gonna say that that wasn't loving <laughs> you know it was de- definitely a very controlled uh, yeah anger you know it's very controlled controlled purposeful and yes it had a specific and he didn't want things to remain the way that they were. Yeah. So he had to address them. He had to And a lot of what it. It, what it was, you look at the just the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you see Christ teaching the masses. And then when the rulers were actually there, he turned and addressed his attention to them. So primarily, as Christians, we need to be informing other Christians. You yeah. know, and as we get opportunity with, with our current leadership... When they're there, we need to turn to them and call them out on the things that that are hypocritical in their own stances. Right. You know, uh, if you have uh, people who are in Congress that are members of your church and you're not calling them out for for allowing bills to go unopposed that are that are anti-biblical or anti-Christian and not standing behind bills that are. Um, well, that kind of goes doing a great disservice. Yeah, uh, and that means valuing the family too, because there's a yeah. lot of bills that are going through in our state that um, they take they're taking away the power and value of the family unit, and yeah. and by breaking down that family unit, we're we're making it even more bothersome and troublesome because the God's design included a family unit yeah and that family unit may look different for some people but that there's there's an importance of that that's part of his design and um to not put value on that and to not allow parents to be able to parent their children and allowing the state to take over control of that that be that is dangerous and that's out of the scope of the of the way our our god intended and that that's a good example of uh, um, uh, righteous rebellion. Um, Bodie Bauckham says, if your kids are in public school, get them out. Because why are you sent? Your kids are not are not uh, to go to school to witness. They're going to they're to be educated. Right. So if they have to constantly defend themselves and they don't get the education, then why send them there? Don't send your kids to Caesar and not come back a Roman. Right. That's the the whole concept, and um, and if that's that's, that's my goal, and unless we have major reconstruction in our education system, none of my grandkids are going to public school. And that's kind of that's kind of some of the th- stuff that I was talking about when we're we're so far away from the Reformation that we forget that these these enti- these public entities like school, um, like hospitals, like orphanages. They were established by Christian people. The the schools were held in churches. Yeah, yeah. The, they were taught to read with the Bible. With the Bible, mm-hmm. that was their reading. They they had very little reading outside of reading the Bible. They were learning to read by reading the Bible, and they were usually taught by either. Um, someone who belonged to that church or a pastor of that church and. You know, as more and more people saw the benefit of having an education, 
more families wanted to send their children to learn to read. So these these things grew. They we had more, you know, we became greater population. So we need bigger establishments. But at some point, we turned a corner. And we allowed the state to tar- start dictating those things, yeah. and the same with our prisons, our prisons, and our and all these things. These were these were established, you know. Our let's talk about doctors, you know, and hospitals. These were established places by Christian people, and they cared for people with Christian value. And you know, doctors were ex- expected to to follow a Hippocratic oath. And in that oath, there was there was reverence to God. Well, we've started to take some of those things out of that, and look where we've come. Yeah. So it's been that that it's that little bit of yeast. Yeah. Well, you talk about you just mentioned prisons too, and that wasn't this wasn't even on my mind. But um, one of the other things I read in one of Bonson's books, and then I'm also reading a bunch of Joseph Boot stuff, and he talks about this too. But um, our legislation to criminal activity far exceeds in some areas what should be the punishment for certain crimes like theft somebody who's okay you go and steal a lamborghini that's one thing because you're doing it completely out of spite you're an idiot you're gonna you just stole somebody's five hundred thousand dollar car okay probably some jail time somebody who's stealing uh food that goes to jail that is not okay biblically they need to pay seven times back what they stole, but at the same time, there's supposed to be help in this in this society. So that if why why were you stealing? Was it because you're just you just want to steal? Okay, well then fine, you get to pay seven times back, and you get to work for this person for free for a certain amount of time to pay even more back. Because you're poor and you lost your job, okay, you get to pay this person seven times back what you stole, but the society is going to help you get to where you don't need to do that anymore. Right, right. And then you go to Middle Eastern countries, they cut your hand off. That's not justice. That's violence. Throwing somebody <laughs> in prison for seven years with with murderers and gangsters for stealing because they're in a situation where, man, I need to feed my family. And they steal. Nowadays, go get a couple gallons of milk. It's 100 bucks. But, <laughs> but, <laughs> or, eggs. Right, or eggs. But, you know, there's situations. But then at the same time, we don't punish people for... Uh, murdering their children unborn and and then we get this case well what about rape we don't punish rapists like we should either or any other sex, aspect. Offenders, sex or- offenders we get them there's this leeway oh well we have to not are you know they're there for a certain amount of time and then they they have to go back to society because they're reha- rehabilitated now no there so there's aspects that but for certain we states have, we have completely messed up on the prison system too. Well, that's right. And and that's where it's like so. That's the sta- That's the by by God's law standard that we, if we looked into, we yeah. might have a little bit better of a society. So kind of. So what we really need is a reformation. Yeah, because <laughs> uh, you know we're we're not going to go back. We're not going to set the clocks back two hundred years and go back to teaching the Bible in school. That'll never happen in America. Right. You know this isn't. It's not going to look like some Norman Rockwell painting, but where we're at right now, how do we move forward? That's the question. And it starts off by, one, being educated yourself as to what God's standard is. Mm -hmm. Um, 
Two, be praying that you have the strength and the boldness to be able to speak out for God and that standard in the face of a society and a culture that stands so firmly against it. Right. Right? And um, be more purposeful in your yeah. homes with your yeah. children. And, Absolutely. Um, and making sure that they... They know how to speak up on certain things and that they, you know, are supported in a way that they don't feel that they don't have the ability to speak up because we need to equip our, we have to equip yeah. our children. We have to equip them to be, you know, willing. And, and, and we kind of had this talk with our kids the other day. Are you willing to die in the name of Christ? Are you willing? Because it could come to that. I, yeah. I mean, it's scary. It's a scary thought. But, you know, it, if it comes down to that and you're faced with that decision, how does it go? Yeah. You know? And so, you know, that's not an easy conversation to have with your kids. And they're, I'm not saying that you go and talk to your, you know, five-year-old. Hey, little Johnny, <laughs> come here. Put, put your put your GI Joe down. Come here, Dad needs to talk to you about something. Because because you know, I I believe again, like we talk a lot about the sovereignty of God, and and I and I don't think that it necessarily will come down to that for a five year old. You know, I, I but with my kids, they're at an age and they see us doing certain things, and and that's another thing in this. Uh, in the time and age and such a time as this, you know, we have technology at our fingertips. We listen to stuff and we watch stuff with like, there's people out there putting videos up all the time on YouTube and there's tons of podcasts out there. So what can I do? What have, what do I feel that God has equipped me to do in this, in this time that may reach another person. Yeah. Yeah. And this is, that's how we kind of came up with a podcast when it helps yeah. us to, to kind of get some stuff off of our chest and brainstorm and, and think about these things on another level. Um, everybody feels, if you're a Christian, you feel the frustration mm -hmm. of living in America right now. You feel the frustration of, of what's going on in the school system. You feel the frustration of how, I, I mean, I'll be honest, when, the first time I saw people sell or angry at the fact that they couldn't have abortion on demand, it, it disturbed me to my core. And you, you probably, if you're like me, you're like, what do, what do I do in the face of all this? How can I try to, to, to curb the tide of what's coming on to America? Some of it you can't. No. But there are things that you can reach out and touch. And what I'm saying is this, there's things that are within your reach or within your, your sphere of influence, um, make that bold stance for truth and for Christ. Because I'm going to tell you right now, if you don't educate your kids, the state will most gladly educate your kids. Right. And this, and, you know, and this kind of circles back to what we even started off talking about. We live in a very small town, right? Uh, with a good majority, probably a vast majority of our teachers being Christian teachers, teachers that are members of our churches, we need to support them and we need to equip them 
to be able to stand up in the in the position that God has placed them right. to teach children yeah. with a godly perspective and buck against the system right. in the schools and the and them saying, Oh well, it's it's coming down from this. Well, no like you gotta you gotta stand firm. You gotta God put you there. That's that's one of the things that I believe is that God, if you're a teacher, God puts you there, right? Just like we talk about the leaders and the government authorities that God put these people in authority. Well, he also puts you there as to be a teacher and and he's calling you as a as a as somebody who is part of his family to be doing things that are in line with what he is shared with you what he has give, given to you so be willing to stand up and be a little bit more boisterous yeah. and care for those kids that come into because there you have so many children that come in there that may not have a godly home to go home to yeah. they may not have any knowledge of the gospel and yeah. you have opportunity to share with them the love of Christ and if if it causes you to get in trouble, then it causes you to get in trouble. But then you go to your churches and you go to these other people and you go, what can you do? Because I just got suspended because this little boy needed right. love from Christ. And I shared it with him and I lost my job. You know, we have uh, all these non-believers or people who call themselves believers but are way on the left side that tell their kids it's okay to walk out of classes because their teacher teaches constitutional republic or something along those lines um or something that it doesn't fall in line with oh you don't want to call my johnny julie so everybody walk out of that class and make a big scene i don't think we necessarily have to big have a big scene but like some of these a few ch teachers around here we know what church they go to and these churches are big enough that if they made a statement on stage on Sunday and said, hey, this is what's going on in these classes and the school board's not doing anything about it. We all know you have a lot of kids in this school. Um, pull them out of that class. And depending on what grade they're in, uh, I mean, I, I'm i kind of almost being hypocritical what I just said about just pull your kids out of it and do homeschool or something, but you can't all do that. But you can, you can stand up. You can say, hey, um, that English class, what other English classes are there during that hour? These other three, are they good teachers? Yeah. Don't go to that one. Get everybody you can. Go to these other classes. Let that teacher yeah. show let that teacher get fired because they can't do their job. And, and I'm gonna tell you, you know. speaking about the family unit, um your kids have friends. Your your friends come over, they're exposed. If your children, you're raising your children to have a, a Christian worldview and a respect for God and Christ. They're exposed to that too. And this mm -hmm. is this is why it seems like society wants to destroy the family unit so bad because God uses those means in reaching other people's lives. Yeah. You know, yeah. and you hit on some a, a good point. Uh a lot of my kids' friends, their families don't go to church. They don't have a Bible. They don't read a Bible. It, it, it's not a thing. Um Christ, God, it's not a thing that's talked about in their homes. And the only exposure they get to it is when they hang out at their friend's house who are Christians. You know what I'm saying? And so it's like if you destroy the family unit, which it seems 
like the world system has been doing a really successful job at that in the last since the dawn of the world system um you minimize the chances of these next generation being even exposed to genuine christianity yeah yeah so the i think the the main things that we need to that somebody should take from this is that it starts in, in the home, the home. Yes. it's self governance you lead your children and you teach your children and you raise up godly children as you are are told to by the word of god and then you discern certain things because you know our kids went to to they didn't go to public schools they went to smaller charter schools yeah. where you know they were a little bit more focused but that's not an option in this area did they go that, to parochial school in your no no, no. They didn't, uh, I, but I there was very few, there was very few, there, and that's another thing, is like, in I our, I wish we had in ca- our, yeah. Catholic school, it'd be great. Well, even, not the theology, but the, even the if we, yeah. even in this area, can you, can you, can you believe that in this area that we live in, there is not a Christian school. We used to have Christian schools and Catholic schools. everybody's a Christian. Right. I think... That we've talked a lot about some really good topics here with regard to how we respond to some of the unbiblical legislation that we see. And yeah. that and that how God has put us in certain places for um, his good and his glory. And that we, we have to be emboldened to, and I, it's, it sounds sometimes I think it sounds silly when people use this term because they use it so freely. But if you put on the full armor of God yeah. in the position that you have been given, yeah, yeah, then you should not fear the recourse of the action if it is within the standard of what God has called you to do. Not Absolutely. only that, when, when you God having revealed himself in everybody, to everybody, right? We know that from Romans, that, that God has made himself known. When you're, when you're witnessing and standing for the truth, the conscience of the person who's disagreeing with you to your face is agreeing with you in the content of what you're saying. And so think about that. Like their conscience is always on the side of what you're saying, you know? So it's like they have to... In the moment, to even argue with you, they have to suppress the truth of God and unrighteousness. Right? And and, and their you conscience could, is agreeing with you. You could be bending them towards yeah. a submitting to the word of God and yeah. submitting to that conscience. You could be breaking up the fallow ground and the next guy that comes around enters into your labors, yeah. past seeds that eventually take root. And that, and you know, it's, you hear a lot, um, I mean, how many churches end their Sunday with you have been sent, like right. go, go out yeah. there. Like, and we, we hear it in gr- life groups and we hear it in small groups and stuff where they're always saying, you know, I'm always looking for that op- opportunity. I'm always looking for the, you know, 
are how many opportunities are we missing? And I, I think mean, every, people like separate you know? those. They think of these things as other these aspects as political. And it's like, oh no, don't get involved in the political. I just need to do this. But you take that political situation and you start a conversation. We're going through Ray Comfort stuff. Let's. That's like a prime example of like what they're talking about on the tough, tough, top, tough questions and. And even Todd Frio talks about this. Like, how do you start those conversations? Because you don't want to walk up to somebody and say, can, can I talk to you about God? Because they're going to be like, no, they're going to walk away. Mass majority of the time. But if you you set up like a, a situation where you're you're talking about political at, situations, and then you roll that conversation which into is, sharing the God, which is super easy. Super if easy. If you really think about it. Because what, 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 political situations and hot, hot, hot topics. topic um uh, hot topic like cultural. buzzword cultural stuff yeah it's moral yeah it's moral mm-hmm. so it's like if it's moral it's biblical even yeah. if you're talking something's yeah. like the environment and these people are like we've got to save the trees well okay cool well let's roll this into god created it they will be saved they will be saved. they will be redeemed <laughs> when the when the children of god are redeemed yeah there's yeah. so like, many so different options it, you can it, do that it's with. easy to be able to steer the conversation that way politics is the best open door for it because a lot of the things that we're dealing with politically now are straight up moral issues in the Bible yeah. talks directly to them. And something, um, something that happened this last Wednesday that I don't want to go into full detail, but uh, um, my in-laws are in town and they came to church with us on Wednesday night. And we do a men's group and women's group. And we got on the topic of Catholicism versus reform, uh, reform stuff. And um, something that you said, Mike, that is exactly what we're talking about is you asked Okay, so I don't remember how it got into it, but you said, how are they still, how is the Catholic Church still even allowing Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden through the door, let alone giving them Eucharist and and allowing them to participate with all the sins that they are just pushing through their legislation? That also comes back to the churches and church discipline, which we talked about when we were doing the Paul Washer thing. And man, call them out. Don't let them walk through that door. You know, and yes, I understand that yeah. Catholics have this viewpoint that the the priest can absolve you. So if they're going to church every Sunday and saying, "Oh, I'm sorry for promoting homosexuality, abortion, and all this other horrible, evil stuff," oh, you're forgiven. Go say ten Hail Marys. And at some point, a priest has to say, "You're not actually in the Catholic Church." Uh, I mean, if they were given the green light, they'd stop them at the door. I think. Yeah. Like no. Like the like. The Pope or the Cardinal, whoever's in charge, needs to say, don't even let them through the door. My them, my, so my hope is <laughs> that there are some priests out there that do stand on these yeah. um on these truths. And and I've been I've been doing a lot of research because I really want to be able to graciously talk about Catholicism and salvation we had and, a really good conversation yeah yeah and, really I, and I do want us to be able to address this on our podcast especially with all of our backgrounds and yeah. that um so hopefully that'll be coming up but real quick before you go into what you're saying leading into other churches like you said there's congressmen and politicians in these churches yeah. if they're not upholding what they're supposed to stand for so i'm going to say because he probably doesn't listen to me but jimmy gasway in my opinion he should be stopped at whatever. I think he's Church of Christ, if no, I remember he, correctly. No, Jimmy Gasway's a, a one is Pentecostal. Oh, he goes to greater vision. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Well, stop him at the door and say, you're not standing for these rights of the children in the way that you should be doing, the way that you said you would be doing. We had people here the way that you talked at, well, a, at a location. Tell us what you said. 
people when they when they make statements that yes, I'm going to do this, and they don't, and then they're caught. Stop them at the door. Tell them no. Well, you is- need to make yourself known to in your own, to uh, your apology known and and change your ways. But isn't uh, I, I mean, that's I biblical too? Is, anyway, isn't Jimmy Galsway even Republican? He's yeah, I believe he's Republican. So maybe the Republican Party needs to kick him out. Right. The re- if you look at the Republican Party statement, he even isn't following in line with the yeah. Republic Republican Party. So, so we have. If you're Christian in a political situation, hold your political so situation up to that standard. Right. And kick people out too. Exactly. So if you're Christian and you're part of the Republican Party, then you should be making sure that the Republican Party is standing by and upholding these things that you've put in. So a lot of this comes back to accountability and those Christians who have been placed into those different Different places, they, we were set there for a reason. Yeah. The the article that I read from the Ligonier's is flat out saying we've been put here by God for his purpose and for his glory. So don't forget that. Yeah. And, and in the right now, yeah, uh, for the front lines that are being fought on today, yeah, you know, you know the uh, where Catholic Church looks at go at saints as one thing, but the the Bible says saints are another thing. We're all saints. We're saved. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. And you may not have God may not have given you the ability like Moses to speak, <laughs> but. <laughs> yeah. uh, you can do other things. I mean, you might, you can't might not be able to stand behind a uh, podium and 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 give a sermon, but y- there is if you can if you can, but if you can rear your child for doing something wrong, uh, verbally rear in a very nice way. Your local politician, when they do something wrong and they step through the church, be like, I can't believe you had the nerve to come in here after you just signed that bill that allowed babies to be murdered. How dare you? Yeah. I yeah. Mean, in front of the congregation. Those things need to be addressed. <laughs> it, it was good that, that uh, your in-laws came, your family came, because uh, I got to bring out the fact that Catholics have been standing against abortion since the dawn of the Catholic Church. There are brothers in this aspect. Right. You know what I'm saying? Um, and as far as taking care of the poor and the needy, once again, they super excel at that. Yeah. yeah. You know, as far as sacerdotal priesthood and all that, they, they missed the mark. But it, as far as, as other topics, and it's like, it blows my mind down here. The Catholic Church isn't vocal about um, no. being pro-life. Yeah, and that's that's you know kind of something I I brought Super to my mo- to my mom's attention is that, <laughs> and I'm gonna um, uh, shout out to Northeast Arkansas if you're listening, but uh, Arkansas Equal Protection uh, haven't seen very many pastors show up, pastors I, or Catholics, and we'd love to have both of any, you, anybody, anybody, because yeah. what we want to do is help re-educate people. Because I went um, with a, a friend of mine. She's a friend. A call. I would call her a colleague, but somebody that we lock arms. We're both from different churches. She's yeah. a church of. She's Church of Christ. I love her, and her and I went to a college campus again. Oh, church of Christ go. College how, Campus, how did that go? and the dumbfounded. It was. The kids. It was crickets in the room. Those. She had taken a survey. And in the survey, a couple of the more notable questions were, do your, do your pastors address abortion? Do you know um, where a, 
help facility is um, for women who uh, face crisis pregnancy. And do you know what an abortion is? Do you yeah. do you even know? Very, like Very basic questions. Basic questions. And it was alarmingly scary how the answers came back to all of those top three questions. They aren't hearing this from their pulpits. They aren't aware of crisis pregnancy centers that are there to help them that are Christian run. And they don't even really know what an abortion is from a church perspective. So what they're getting is a world view. And that's it. And that's it. Church isn't vocal enough to. So that, so when we, when we're talking about what is our, what is our Christian response to unbiblical legislator? How about we stop letting the world view be the only view that our children and our, and our churches have. Why don't we stop letting the YouTube, TikTok, social media, whoever gets the strongest algorithm that they see on their feed be the only view that they have and start giving a biblical worldview again? Why aren't we standing strong on that? No matter what arena you are in, whatever God has given you, whatever place he has given you. Yeah. Start being emboldened to do that because God will be with you. These are, you know, these are those, yeah. these are those phrases that you don't want to be seen. You don't want to use them out of context. This is not out of context. No, if you're making a stance for the truth, uh, you can be assured that God is with you in that. It may not be pretty. It, it, he's not, it, it it's not, not, not be free of suffering. Yeah. It may not be free of persecution, but he will be with you he will sustain you and we have that power to to be strong in those things so yeah that's my i guess that's my hope from this episode is that you know those uh those christians out there that that are having their conscience bent towards standing up for the truth that they know and they're seeing you know not being shared that they stand up and stand up first in your home and then in your church, yeah. address it with your church and your pastors. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, because it's get like groups together, get you go groups to your together. Your pastors whatever. should be talking about abortion. They should be talking about transgenderism. They should be talking about all the things that are culturally relevant and coming down the pike, um, from the federal and state governments as they pertain um, to moral issues clearly addressed in the Word of God. Yeah, and let and let's let's be really clear when we say that we should be a, approaching these things and talking about these things. We don't mean that you're to shame these people. No, <laughs> we're we're, we're supposed to teach them and and give them the truth of God and let let God do the work from there and yeah. and and walk beside them and not embrace them not you know say yeah it's okay no we'd love to help equip you in this right we if you would come um to one of our meetings at the arkansas equal protection coalition we have them at grace baptist we have them at different times during the month you can reach out to us um 
email us at we have a website yeah um you can contact us right through the website so even if you're not even if you feel like you're not equipped or you're not even ready to -to face-to-face meet with us and you still need like some encouragement to get there i we're willing to get you resources and get you pointed in the right direction to start being able to have conversations about anything you know, and it, and that doesn't have to just be abortion. Right. That could be it could be anything. And you want to really, uh, if you need support gonna... in your school because you're, you know, being forced to show these young children these books that are inappropriate, that are um, putting pushing ideas onto them that you know aren't right and they don't align with your moral value, like handed down by the the Word of God, then. You know, reach out, find somebody who will mm-hmm. support you in, yeah. in doing that. Get because people out people. in front of the school saying, yeah. don't read this to my kids. It, reach out to us. Yeah. yeah. Or, or I'll get you, people out there. If you'd like to organize something like that, reach out to us. Yeah, we have a us. website now, AdamWhoToldYou.com. Yeah. Yep. Um, so I think we're going to wrap this one up. I think that was a pretty good uh, ending spot. Uh, a couple quick things. Um we're going to kind of continue this same conversation, but we're going to come at it at a, a theonomy, theological viewpoint. Um, in another episode, we're going to prepare better for it. That's why we didn't go that far. So keep an eye out for that one. Um, it's theonomy. Look into theonomy and look into uh, theocracy and see what the differences are. Because uh, one of them is a little forceful. One of them is pretty legit. Uh, and then we're talking a lot about um, God's law. And that's what's going to be in theonomy. But a lot of people don't go through and read God's law. Uh, they may say that Jesus said the greatest law is to love God, love God your Father with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul. And the second is to love your neighbor as yourself in the, and in the same way. Well, if you go back to Exodus, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy and kind of read through the laws and the descriptions of that Moses was given from God, that's what Jesus was summarizing. And two. you should <laughs> yeah. into two ways. So it was a lot easier so that, Hey, and the Jews at that time knew what he meant. Um, yeah. so we, we were thousands, you know, 2000 years later, we're not exactly in the, the is Israel viewpoint of things or, but read through those. Um, cause you can see the principles behind yeah, them, the principles on how God wants, how he's holy and how he, and wants then you to will, be you'll also see at the same time how, most of those laws, while people say the law doesn't matter to us anymore, yeah, it does because the sacrificial laws have been fulfilled through Jesus. That's why it still matters to us. And then the ceremonial and other laws, those don't, we don't do those anymore, but there's reasons why. And Jesus and Paul explain those aspects, but the, the moral laws still, you're apply. still morally you're, accountable, you're accountable to God. Yeah. You've got to read through those and understand those. Because you read through that and understand that, and then you start looking at the way the world is is uh, handling itself, and you realize, man, we need more of God's law, and I need to fight for that. And it starts in the home. You're going to accidentally find out you're secretly a theologist. <laughs> and, we'll, and we'll prove that to you next time on Adam, Who Told You? Have a good one.